All right, welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm chatting with Yannick Silver, who has been called a cosmic catalyst, a maverick mischief maker, and galactic goofball. This is definitely a first for the show. Um, he is the creator of the Cosmic Journal, which I'm holding my hands right now, author of Evolved Enterprise and founder of Maverick 1000, a global network of top entrepreneurs and visionary entrepreneurs making a serious difference in the world without taking themselves too seriously, of course. In fact, it's not unusual to find him dressed up as a lemur, a showgirl, or even a in matching mermaid tales with Sir Richard Branson. This group assembles for break through retreats, rejuvenating experiences, and impact opportunities with participating icons such as Sir Richard Branson, Sarah Blakely, Tony Hawk, Tim Ferriss, and many others. Well, I can already tell this is going to be fun. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Uh, I would love, before we get into the Mermaid Tales and uh, your work and everything that you're, you're spending the majority of your time on right now, I'd love to just first know, Yannick, who are you? Who's, who's the person behind the human? Ah, ah, who am I? I mean, that, that's actually a page in the Cosmic Journal. Yeah. Uh, uh, I want to hear it from you. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you can go down that rabbit hole pretty, pretty deep. Um, it's actually pretty funny because my friends make fun of me because every, anytime I try and use a different accent, it only comes out as a Russian immigrant accent. <laughs> Families from, from Russia. And, and so we do a lot of themed events and we did a Alice in Wonderland themed summer camp for entrepreneurs and and so i was the caterpillar and i had the you know the hookah and i would, i sat on this big gigantic inflatable uh couch and then as people walked by i'm like oh that's amazing you know, like i'm i'm uh you know michelle and, and i'm like oh and she, yeah they're like well i'm you know michelle i just told you i'm like no and then you know you just keep going and it's actually a really great question right like who who are you um so i think at my at my essence uh i am i catalyze the catalyst that's probably the best way that i continue to describe myself and you know you mentioned uh maverick mischief maker and a cosmic catalyst and a galactic goofball and i think i'm, I'm all those things and you know and, and many more I love it. I mean, it's it, it's definitely a question that I mean, and I start every show with the same question for essentially this very reason, just to avoid, you know, job titles and and whatnot, because that that'll come through the the rest of the conversation. But I'm curious. Just usually the who are you question also brings up, you know, it's like who are you right now in this moment? Obviously, there's you know there's overlapping values and themes that that follow us throughout throughout our lives. But I'm I'd love to just go a little bit further, actually, because I know you've probably reflected on this stuff. Um, like, where are you at right now, or what's been some of the latest evolution in that in that path for you? Yeah, I mean that that you know that energy, that archetype of the catalyst is is big. Uh, so, and that continues to be what I feel is my role to play. Um, and I'm I'm someone that really cares about. I think I've, I've broken it down to this intention of how do we nudge the consciousness of the world by one degree. So one little small nudge, uh, to through, through the leverage of business. And so that's what I want to catalyze. And, and for me, I always look at it as catalyzing the catalyst. So looking at the leverage nodes and leverage points and how do we, 
how do we nudge them? How do we instigate the instigators and, and connect the connectors and, and so forth? And yeah. you know, I could keep going down that, down that path for a long time. My wife gets really annoyed when I'm like, you know, connect the connectors, instigate the instigators, <laughs> catalyze the catalysts. And, I love it. You know, that, that meta level of, of thinking through, through leverage points. Yeah. Where did the, um, just obviously, you know, humor runs, uh, runs through your veins and just this kind of lightness, uh, that I feel with, you know, in combination, I'd say with some very serious and, uh, global changing work, I'm, I'm curious, like how those two worlds mesh together or, or when, when did that trigger fire for you? I yeah I don't know I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure where it all combined together. It's just that I've embraced more and more of my weirdness, I guess, and and allow that <laughs> to come through. And uh, you know, my my <laughs> it's actually a bit of a running joke in in, in our family. So I have two kids. Uh, my son's almost fifteen next month, and my daughter's thirteen. And you know, if, if they do something, they're like, "That's that's daddy." You know, you get you got that from daddy. Or like, yeah, you know, like yeah. something, something really weird. And, and, the, and then, you know, they'll think about something else and they're like, oh, geez, or I'll say something. They're like, great. I'm half you. And, <laughs> and, and you're doing a fist pump. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> but the, the weirdness, so like, even like the word weird, right? So I, I started as a copywriter and to me, words are really important and okay. because your words create your world. And, and so weird has sort of got this connotation now as, as something negative and we don't want to be seen as weird. And especially as, as you're younger, I think as you get a little older, you get maybe more comfortable in, in your own skin, that weirdness starts to come out more and more. But the, uh, so weird comes from uh, middle English W Y R D. And it means something like path of destiny and you know, like the, the weird sisters from Shakespeare. And, and so I think when you really do embrace that weirdness, that's where you start to to shine. And, and that's where that, you know, like you mentioned that playful lightness, like that lightness comes out. And like, for me, you know, the people that know me, like there's, I don't know, like I, I was always a goofball in, in growing up at school. Like I would, I was definitely the class clown or one of them. And then that has now, you know, I look back and that's translated into some of the stuff we do with some, you know, really interesting icons and entrepreneurs where we let them play and enjoy themselves. And, and, but it doesn't come from like a forced place for me. It's just like, you know, I love doing that stuff. Like, like the theme parties or the theme experiences or just like when I used to run an event for a decade for uh, in the digital marketing space. And, and one of my favorite things to do was just screw with the speakers, you know, so they're on stage <laughs> and kind of like 350, 400 people. And we would, I don't know, like, we'd have like a drone fly up to them that had a message about something random that they have to read. Like, you know, that, the, <laughs> that's the, awesome. The, the, you know, if, if you own a, uh, a Honda Odyssey, you know, license tag, blah, 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 your lights are on or something, you know, like just something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. That, and then we, <laughs> we would have, so the theme of the event was called the underground and it was all these unknown people who were coming to share what they're doing. And a lot of times they're like first time speakers. And, and so we, I, you know, I used to love messing with them even more because they're already nervous. And, and so we had, and we were doing a lot with our Maverick members. And, uh, I remember one time we, we, the, the, the woman that we did this to, like, she basically has PS, PTSD from it. Uh, or she says she does anyway. It, it's hilarious where, uh, so she's going, you know, this is her first big keynote presentation. And all of a sudden one of the guys, one of our members who's, 
know, a little bit uh, out there and big personality. And, and he's a big guy, too. And he gets up on a chair. Like, so the lights sort of wobble and do something. And then he gets up on a chair and then he just starts in a, in a speedo. And he's like, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And, and, and like this would not be totally out of place for him to do this either. So and like to embarrass her. So she was kind of like, oh, my God, please, you know, just sit down because and then all of a sudden, like across the auditorium uh, or, or across the, uh, you know, event space and someone else gets up in Speedo and does the exact same thing. And then the music comes on and then like, you know, the whole stage changes and it's like 20 people coming with uh, like green Speedos and, and all sorts of different uh uh, like little accoutrements and then they, they wrap her in a boa and, and then like it's like this flash mob that happened and 30 seconds later it's done and she's yeah. like oh my god what just happened she's like i don't know if i can re- i can start my presentation she over, just like, wrote her speaker notes <laughs> so you know we would love doing stuff like that and i you know it just i don't know it's just hilarious well, people remember that right like i mean i i feel energized just just listening to the story i mean it's it, it obviously is memorable and i mean life's too short to be so serious about everything right like we've got to have a little bit of fun <laughs> yeah or a lot of fun i mean you know kind of the core values that we work with with for maverick members are, are growth impact and fun and i think that intersection point is a really beautiful sweet spot yeah well let's i mean speaking of fun i mean i'm, I'm literally staring at at your last Instagram post, which I think I think it was uh, Richard Branson's birthday, yeah, seventieth yep. birthday, and the, the photos of you and him in mermaid tails. Why don't you give a little backstory? I, there's no way I can move on without <laughs> you explaining that, since it was in the bio. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're right. The, the mermaid tails, and there's a picture of uh, me in the showgirl outfit with with him, and um, that one's probably an even better story. But the mermaid tails are are, are pretty good. Where so we were doing an so we do an event uh, once a year on on Necker his island we bring entrepreneurs there to kind of talk about what are the ways that we can make change in, in the world and 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 then also not just talk about it but but do it and and so one of those years we brainstormed an artificial reef that was an old World War II ship that we sunk and raised the money right there from everyone to sink it. And then uh, I always think that the right people are in the right rooms. And so two of our members that were there, they also make Burning Man art cars and, and, and they were there and they were just got super excited by this concept. And so they were, they took the World War II ship, but added a Kraken on top of it, like a, a gigantic, I don't know if it's a squid or an octopus or I don't know what that, what a Kraken is exactly. But, but you know, you, you've seen those, the, those pictures of like the ship being engulfed by this, by the Kraken. And so they added that to it, and then uh, and and we had this really amazing opportunity to sink the ship, making an artificial reef, and it was like a year long project that that we helped and supported. And so that was the celebration. So we actually sunk the ship, which takes a lot longer than you would imagine. Um, it's like a it was like a three hour party oh, wow. to, to sink the ship. You never quite know how it's going to happen, and and it's still there in the BDIs right now. Um, that Kraken piece of it has now got. Uh, got taken off of of the ship through some really really powerful waves so it survived the big hurricane hurricane irma but there were some big waves that were underneath the ocean that not from the hurricane i think but from just I'm not really sure what but they separated that but so you can still see it and dive it and it's, it's incredibly cool and so we were celebrating that and then also ocean advocacy because 
you know, the more you learn about the ocean and, and what that basically every other breath that we take is from the ocean and you start becoming more and more, I think, of an advocate for it. And there's a lot of issues that the ocean's facing from increased temperature to, to plastics, to microplastics, to um, pH uh, levels increasing to, you know, a lot of, a lot of overfishing. So a lot of different things. And so we were looking at from a business point of view, what, what can we do? And so, uh, our team, I don't think they even told me about this. Um, they, they, someone walked up to Richard and gave him the mermaid tail and, you know, he started putting it on and then they walked up to me and gave me the mermaid tail. <laughs> so I started putting it on and he's like, he's like, no, no, all the way. And he like, you know, takes off his shirt. Uh, and he's actually, he's actually in really good shape. He's probably in better shape now than he's been in a long, long time. Um, and, and he really takes good care of himself and, and he's like, come on, you know? And so I took off my shirt and, and that was the way we conducted this entire Q and a, uh, about, about business, about life and, and the ocean. I love it. I love it. Oh man. Well, I mean, there's, there's so many different directions, um, with this, but I'd love to just provide a bit of perspective for the listeners about your, your work specifically, right. And, and where you're, you're most passionate and, and I guess how these, you know, all these, these events and these stories are coming about, like what's driving them. Yeah. I mean, so it's, you know, what I said at the top of the, the call, this idea of how do we nudge the consciousness of the world by one degree using the leverage of business. And, you know, that's not something that I originally came up with and I thought was my driver. It was, uh, I've just always been interested in this intersection of, of originally it was making more, having more fun and giving more. And now that's changed into growth impact and, and joy or fun. And so that intersection point is where, where it really drives everything that I do, because I think that the more fun you're having, the more you're going to, you're, you're going to make, or the more you're going to grow and, and the more, uh, the more you're able to make a difference and the, and just like they all play on, on each other. And, and right now really, the world, I mean, we're in a, we're in a really interesting point. Uh, I mean, how many, how many car commercials and other commercials have you heard that, you know, un, unprecedented times or, you know, in yeah. these, in these, uh, I don't know what else would you call them in, in these, uh, uncertain times and these, so like, like I look at everything, like this is the, this is a massive catalyzing time. And, and so it's, it's also like a massive reinvention time. It's a massive, um, time of figuring out what, what really matters. And we have the opportunity to, to say, okay, this is maybe what, maybe I somehow bought into it. Like, was, was it really my own dream or desire or was it given to me by my parents or by society or, or, you know, whatever, like, this is really a time to, to think about what, what matters most. And we have, you know, we, we have the, sh the, the chance to, to step forward and say, okay, I, how am I going to be part of, of the change that I want to see in the world? And for me, it's, yeah. it's through, through business and entrepreneurship, because that's always been my kind of palette for, for 25, maybe probably longer, 30 years. Well, I'm, I mean, you mentioned, uh, quickly about, you know, where this stuff may have come from, whether it's with your parents or as, as your journey unfolded, but like, I, I would like to dive a little deeper into that because I mean, just being familiar with your work and we'll get into the the cosmic journal and, and all of that as well. Like obviously reflection is uh, a huge part of your routine and your world in general, but w was that always the case? Like, do you remember when questions in particular started to, to really, you know, really enter into your world or was it always like that? 
so I, I was always a weird kid <laughs> for sure. Um, I was into like sacred sites and, and the pyramids and all sorts of stuff as a, as a young, a young kid. And, uh, and I always loved reading about all sorts of unusual things. And, uh, I, I was just intrigued by, by anything that was out there. And, and then I kind of put it all away. And then, so I, I grew up, you know, as I mentioned, we're a Russian immigrant family and I grew up in a family business. So my dad, within about six months of coming to the U S with about, I always, I always say it's $256. He corrected me just a couple of months ago. I can't, I can't remember the exact number. So I'm going to stick with that number. But it was something <laughs> like that for me, my mom and my grandmother. And, and within about six months or nine months, he had started his own medical equipment sales and service company. And, and so I grew up working in that business. Uh, you know, at 14, I was telemarketing. At 16, I was out on the road cold calling on doctors. And, uh, and so I, you know, all that stuff sort of went away. And then I was just really interested by marketing and advertising and, and copywriting. And that came to me through, through actually a doctor client that I met who kind of introduced me to, to some of this stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. And, and now I don't have to cold call. I could actually, you know, learn how to, how to write ads or, or mm-hmm. do sort of promotions that don't have me cold calling on, 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 on doctors anymore. And I can only talk to the ones that are really interested in what, what I have to, to sell. And so that was a huge breakthrough. And, and then that started, I think some of the, the general success philosophy thinking was around that same time, that 17, 18, 19 year old me, because I was riding around in the car quite a bit. And, uh, I just, I, don't, I can't remember. So I got that tape from the, from the, you know, the doctor that I sold him an entire surgery center and it was a marketing tape, but then that kind of turned on the lights in some way to like personal growth and self-development. And so people like Earl Nightingale that I was listening to, like Lead the Field and the, and the Strangest Secret. And then, um, and then people like Brian Tracy, like more specifically around sales skills. And I remember Brian Tracy would say, you know, turn your car into a university on wheels. And I really just, you know, picked up on that. And, and, and you see that, I think now maybe with podcasts are really, are really driving some of that because you can use your, your downtime in the car or wherever you are to, to learn something. And, and, so I, I played ice hockey. I still play ice, ice hockey as a, in a men's league. And so I'd be driving around and my, my, my buddies are in the car. They're like, what are all these tapes? And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, nothing. And you wouldn't like them anyway. And, you know, because they're listening to whatever, whatever the popular music was. And, and I, I really do believe that, you know, to be extraordinary, you need to be do extraordinary things like or things that ordinary people aren't willing to do necessarily. Yeah, and so from Earl Nightingale, you know, this idea of you could be an expert in any field that you wanted for if you studied for one hour a day for three years or a world class expert if you studied for an hour a day for five years. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, and, and he definitely was some one of the first real influences on me for some of the bigger questions of, you know, if, if everyone's doing this, like, do you need to be doing that? Like most times, in most cases, if you're following the the, the majority, you're going the wrong direction. And, and so, you know, those kind of questions came from, from Earl Nightingale or, or really there weren't even questions necessarily. They're like validating things that I had already been thinking in some ways because I had, I had felt different in, in a lot of ways growing up. And, uh, and even that idea that, you know, becoming that, that world-class expert. So I'm like, Oh, what, what would happen if you studied for an hour a day or two hours a day? And that's what mm-hmm. I did with direct response and, and copywriting that really grew to, to an incredible skill set that that helped me elevate to what became my next chapter. 
hey, just wanted to thank you for being here. And if you're enjoying the show, drop us some lovely stars wherever you're listening. They really make a huge difference. Also, after requests from you, I've put together some mental fitness training packages in collaboration with Thrive Medicine. I'll work directly with you to help implement and personalize practices and routines to ensure your mind is thriving. Shoot me a message directly or check out the link in the show notes. Thank you as always and back to the show. Well, I think it's just like for all of this stuff, right? It just shows you what's what's possible and it it's... I, I totally resonate with this because uh, I'd say 10, 12 years ago, that's exactly how I entered into the world or, or, or being exposed to journaling. I was listening to Robin Sharma and reading all of his stuff and uh, a whole host of, of others as well. But it was really almost exact same scenario as like medical sales in the, in the car. <laughs> so anyone what listening to that, um, it was, it was, I was working for uh, Novartis uh, for the longest time and it, okay. I was, uh, yeah, I was on the, uh, the antidepressants and, uh, bipolar medications and things like that. Okay. But yeah. I, got it. Yeah. So you, you guys were, were usually welcomed in the offices because you would bring a lot of, a lot of food and goodies and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> fair. fair. Uh, I, I sold like, uh, we had about 250 manufacturers we sold and, um, so we, we never uh, figured out the, the the free gifts and the all sorts of stuff. It was you know just showing up and talking about exam tables or EKG machines or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember when I when I got into it, it was it, that was kind of the the phase uh, where all the rules were were actually tightening up. So there was. Oh right. I, I used to hear the stories of all of that, um, but it, it was getting uh, almost impossible to even bring a coffee uh, into an office at at the very end. <laughs> but I mean, just. I, I all to say I can totally relate to the hours on end in, in a car and you know you're right either either you can listen to the radio or throw in a CD or plug in your phone with kind of the the latest you know today's days like the latest Spotify playlist right. or you have this just incredible amount of knowledge right where you can level up and and I, I think it you know just it just causes you to think right and and think of of different perspectives and and ask some questions and whatnot and it's it, it's fascinating I, I'm, I didn't know that about about your story and i i'm curious then when you decided to like really go all in and create your own journal because this i mean there's one thing in listening to uh sales models and copy and uh you know diving into kind of the personal development world and there's another thing to actually put out your own uh not just a regular journal, handwritten and illustrated by you journal. That's a whole other project. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably about four four jumps uh, away. It was, I mean, the journaling has always been a part of my life in a regular basis. So it's funny, I found my, my journal, I guess it was a diary, <laughs> when I was about 15 and I kept it for maybe six months from that okay. 15 to about 16 and a half-ish. And, um, and, and that was really interesting. And, and... And then I didn't journal for a long time. And then I would come back to it every once in a while. I just write stuff. And then I, I get, went back to some of them and I was like, let me catch you up on the last, you know, four months or <laughs> on the last six months of what's happened. And, um, and, but for the last, I'd say, I don't know, seven, eight years, it's been a regular thing where, where it's, it's such a powerful practice. Like I, I think of it as a foundational practice. Yeah, and, and and the same way that I think of like meditation and and even even yoga to an extent, um, and and 
meditation has probably been about six years. And it's almost like, what was I doing before that? Like, I can't even imagine not having that in my, in my life as because it's such a powerful practice. And the journaling is a beautiful reflection practice, as you mentioned, uh, where, so, you know, I, I teach journaling because I love it. And it's like one of those things where it's been actually scientifically proven to make you happier. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, it's because it forces us to take all the thoughts that are kind of rolling around in our heads and, and then put them on paper. And even if it's, it creates this beginning, middle and end to whatever is the story or narrative that, that you're kind of allowing to, to keep rolling around. And, and just by putting it on paper like that, it makes you happier. And, and so that's one way of journaling. And, and a lot of people, they get freaked out about, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to write this because what if somebody finds it or, you know, what if my, my wife or kids or, or whoever, you know, look, you know, finds this. So the more you can be kind of truthful in your journal and the more you can be vulnerable, the better it's going to work out for you. Like if you're just writing about, oh, I had a, whatever, a turkey sandwich today for lunch, that's, that's not really a reflective journaling practice. That's, yeah. that's like a, I don't know, like a cap, like a, like a log or, or something like that, but you want to get into the, the, the feelings. And so I use it for, you know, just downloading things. Uh, I use it for ideas. I use it for, uh, just, you know, reflecting in my own answering questions. So to me, question, you know, like you're the better your question, the better your answers are going to be. And I love questions. So a, a good question I can sit with for a long time and then I'll stick it at the top of a page and then continue answering it and continue answering it and continue answering it. And then I have some other practices that are kind of more creative and intuitive. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the cosmic journal, and that, that's really, that, that's been a really, really interesting process to, to come out with that where it was, it was really unintentional. Like I, I wasn't, I, I wrote it just for, for myself, but, but before I get there, we can maybe talk a little bit more about some of the traditional journaling things if you want. Yeah, sure. Well, one thing I, I, I definitely want to bring up just, just cause you were around this topic, but I think just, you know, being truthful with your, your journaling. Cause the other, the other thing that I've seen too is, you know, uh, people will journal as if the, the journal, piece is going to be is being written for fast company magazine or something right like <laughs> that, that's right. not that's not the intention i mean just kind of roll with it and 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 you know dump whatever's in your mind and whatever you need at that at that moment but i, I mean i would love to hear uh from your perspective because you obviously uh have this practice quite dialed in but you're also around a lot of really exceptional humans as well have you especially through um uh, maverick 1000 like have you seen those members as well adopt practices like this or like what what are, i guess what are the consistent themes uh if there are anyone in, in relation to journaling yeah i mean i i there's a i don't know if there's one consistent one across the board you know i, I meet and talk to a lot of different entrepreneurs it's it's interesting you know some some do journal and they love it and others are like curious about it or maybe have started and gave it up and i think the, the ones that have done that they there's a lot of like guilt maybe around it, like, oh, I should journal or I should do this. And, and that's, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really help you. And so I, I talk a lot about, okay, creating experiments where there's that, you know, there's a fixed end date and, and whether it's a, a 11 day or a 30 day, or like for me, I'll do a lot of 33 day kind of experiments and, and journaling is a great one to try as well, because it allows you to, to see like, you know, I'm not going to make a commitment that this is going to be a practice that I have forever. And, and, you know, does it help me or, or not help me at the end of whatever experiment date? 
And, and then also picking the same time each day really helps. So it doesn't have to be at 6 p.m. every night. But so for me, it's before bed so I can process the day and, and what's happens. Other people really enjoy the, the first part of the day, like the morning. That's when they're going to they're going to yeah, journal it and great. write. But yeah. But the consistency is a big part of it. Like so if you can be consistent, that's better than, you know, writing for two hours one night and then not writing again for for a week or two weeks. And, and it's just like meditate, right? Like it builds on each other. And then also you get that opportunity of going back and, and seeing, oh, you know, a year ago I was still, you know, this was still a theme in my life. Like, what am I doing about it? Um, or, or is like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, uh, I can't believe that that felt like a big deal then. And, and then it also gives you more, more courage to, to, uh, to move on to other stuff. So I know with, uh, so with, with, with Richard, with Branson, um, I don't think he journals in a traditional way, but he takes a lot of notes, pen and paper. And and I remember him saying to me, like the, so they, they had a fire in the great house, which actually burnt all his journals and, and no, oh, no, that was recent. wasn't that last year or something? Or? It was uh, no, a couple of years back, um, maybe like four years ago or five years ago. Um, so the, the big hurricane was just recent. And gotcha. so through the, the fire, he lost all, all these journals and, and he like was really kind of bummed and, 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 you know, decided that he didn't want to take notes anymore by hand and write all these things out. And he just found himself way less productive and way less, uh, I don't know, just himself. And so he's like, I, I went back to it. And, and so the, the paper, like, so there's also a different like neural link that happens between paper and pen or, or, or you know, even colored pens. I would, I would, I would say, so I use colored pens. Um, so if, if you look at my journals from years and years back, it's like only black or maybe blue ink. And now there's always colors and there's drawings and there's all sorts of things in there. And and this is where, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be a professional hockey player and a cartoonist in the off season. Okay. And my, uh, my, my, my cartooning, drawing, doodling really came back through my journal. And I realized that I'm like, oh, yeah, I really, I really love this. And it was, it was interesting because the, the book that I wrote before the Cosmic Journal was called Evolved Enterprise, which is all about how business can make a greater difference in the world and, and how it actually grows your company and, and, and does all these great things for, for you and your business. And so I, I had a deadline and I it was like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, OK, I'm done with the book. And then something just didn't quite. I was like, no, I don't feel like I fully put myself into it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to let me add my own doodles to this. And, and so from sort of the. The practice in the journal, I, I then got really energized and, and was up for, for quite a long time, just adding more doodles and drawings to the book. And, and I think that really helped enhance it. And that was maybe a little bit of a step in the direction of what this cosmic journal has become, too. So it, it's all it's all continued to feed on each other. Well, it, it you know, as you're speaking and as I'm looking at the journal as well, it reminds me of like people. A lot of people talk about habit stacking. I feel like this is like practice stacking. Like you've got, you know, drawing and coloring essentially, which, you know, <laughs> is also proven to, uh, you know, reduce stress and obviously fire up some, you know, some of those creativity muscles. You've got just all the journaling benefits in general. So like there's a whole, there's a lot going on here, right? In what could be just a few minutes a day. Yeah. And then where I really love it is where you take that practice and, and do some really interesting kind of creative, intuitive things with it. So 
the drawing and the colors are, are one way. Um, one of my friends is a guy named Bill Donius, and, and he wrote a book called Thought Revolution, and he really popularized this idea of, of using your non-dominant hand for, for innovation and, and holistic mm. thinking. And, and he got it from a child psychologist, uh, but it's a really powerful process. So like, like what I mentioned before, taking a question and then writing out the answer. So you can write out that answer in multiple answers, uh, with your regular hand. So I'm right-handed, so I'll, I'll write it out and then I'll go back and I'll actually write answers with my left hand and see what comes out. And, wow. and it's so powerful to see because it really connects the other side of your brain. It's almost like there's, there's greater wisdom in that. And so I'll, I'll, I'll use that in, in different ways where, where I need an answer. And, and believe it or not, it's like the, the answers just come out. It, it, if it's you, but almost like a higher version of, of you. And, uh, and then I'll do things like have a Q and a, right? Like you could have a Q and a with, uh, let's say an ancestor, maybe, maybe your your one of your parents has passed or, or maybe an ancestor you never even met. You yeah. can have a Q and a or, or a mentor, right? Like you can do it with a mentor that's either alive or, or, or passed on or whatever you want. And, or like with an archetype, with the universe, with uh, with your 111 year old self. And when I was going through um, a process of what really felt like kind of like one of the, the darkest points that I've gone through as an entrepreneur, where previously everything had worked incredibly well. It's just easy, you know, hit seven figures with multiple projects over and over again. And then when I had asked myself a really simple question about 11, 12 years ago, I said, you know, am I happy? Uh, would I be happy doing what I'm doing right now for 10 more years? And when I was honest, the answer was no. And inside my journal, I you know, do a lot of journaling about, okay, well, what would make me happy? And that was the genesis of Maverick, which was let's bring amazing entrepreneurs together. And originally it was for adventure travel trips. And, and then we'd have business sessions out in the middle of nowhere and, and there'd be a charity component. And then about $400,000 in, um, my wife's like, um, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what, what, what this is. And, uh, and so, uh, it really forced me to look at what, what was my bigger why and the why wasn't to build an adventure travel company was to change the way business is played. And so during that time period, you know, all my passion for my publishing company, that was one that was sort of paying the bills was, was dissipating. And I wasn't really excited by that. And this other company was just completely sideways. And so I asked the question, which was, what would my 111 year old self tell me? And then I answered to my left hand and it said, uh, light a thousand suns who each can have the potential to light another thousand suns. And that's when the name of the company changed from Maverick Business Adventures to Maverick 1000. That's when really the intentionality of everything really changed to more of this evolutionary aspect of, of, of working with these leaders and, and entrepreneurs, because that, that's where I was too. And, and so you can use your journal and you can use these questions to really you know, allow yourself to, to get some answers from, from, I think some different spots. So then it's not, it's not necessarily that you're, you know, you're answering the question with both hands and you're just essentially rewriting the question. You're really just kind of almost, I mean, if I'm, if I visualize this almost like closing your eyes first and okay, like what, you know, what needs, what needs to be said right now? Like what, what's being communicated and then you just go, right? Yeah. And, and not, not holding back. Um, so when you try it, it's really fascinating. So the very first time I did it, that, you know, the first exercise that Bill recommended was a, if I was an animal, what animal would I be? And then you write it with your normal hand, right? So I wrote otter, uh, O-T-T-E-R. And then, uh, and then he has you like shake out your hands 
and then you write it again with your non-dominant hand. And from like 80% of the people that were in the room, they got a different animal. And so mine was a sea turtle. And so what, what you know, he kind of showed there was with your dominant hand, actually with that question, it was like, okay, how do you want to put yourself out there into the world? Or how do you want to be perceived? And so for me, that, that was that otter, that playfulness. And then with my left hand was sea turtle. And that has more of like that timeless wisdom and I kind of think of it as like the turtle from Finding Nemo, where he's like, come on, dude. But that, but that sage philosopher in a way. And, and um, so it, that was a really interesting sort of glimpse of how, you know, you're, you, you get different answers really from, yeah. from that. And, and it's so powerful. And so, but you can go, so I do go back and forth. I'll, I'll have a conversation, right, sometimes. So it's not just answering something. One time I could have a conversation. I don't have one of my journals next to me, but. I don't know. I might have a conversation with with my 111 year old self and where I'm asking questions with my right hand and I'm answering as my 111 year old self with my left hand or something like that. So cool. Or even your 11 year old self or, yeah. or, you know, or an ancestor that you want to connect with or, or an, an energy like an archetype. And I actually have, uh, you know, so beyond the Cosmic Journal, we have a, a set of uh, Oracle deck cards that are coming out in a couple months that that have some of those, those Q and A processes, and then also like a, a bunch of ways of kind of tapping into this synchronicity and magic. So I, I really love that too, the randomness, because that's the way the cosmic journal is created is that you would literally flip it open and it has a, a message for you. Um, so maybe, maybe you want to do that. Like that would be fun. Pick, pick a, a random page and we can talk about that. Well, I'm on, I'm on rainbow rules right now. <laughs> All right. I love it. What Everyone has, uh, 83. 83. All right. So rainbow rules. Uh, I'll read the rainbow rules. It says uh, rainbow rules by Zoe Silver, age eight and a half. Everyone has one same power following your dreams. Everyone can be what they want. Everyone is true. Don't give up. Be cool. Do what you want and show it. Be special and good. Uh, and, and then I wrote children often are our best truth tellers. I, I, I found an old butterfly journal cleaning out our basement and those are the rainbow rules to live by. And I guess age eight and a half, but, but Zoe thought it was from a, a much younger age still. So such beautiful wisdom and, and they're, the kids are getting it really from a pure source. It's like our children are our teachers if we allow them to share their lessons. And the, there's rainbow rules. So I recopied it in Zoe's handwriting in, in, in the, the colors that she had starting with, uh, it looks like, I guess it was blue and then moved on. Um, yeah, purple. purple and so forth. And so it is, you know, you read those and I'm like, those are pretty good. They're really good. I mean, yeah. I, I have a four year old and, and he like, he just constantly reminds me with obviously he doesn't know, you know, that he's doing this, but I, I'm just watching, you know, just puts you back into that childlike curiosity and that, um, you know, no judgment mode and just kind of living. Right. Which like things like this, it, it's just, I think they're like the theme uh, of a lot of what we've been talking about is just comes back to just getting little, to your point, nudges, you know, yeah, little nudges back. Because if we, if we allow ourselves to just go down the autopilot, which kind of society set up for, you, you know, you, you just can't come off it without these nudges. Yeah. And right now I think we're getting a, a huge nudge, a shove really. I'd say. <laughs> and, and, and it's You're pushing it's the like, pool. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, well, wake up like what, yeah. what, what what you know the, the kind of the I, I don't society hasn't been built in a way that everyone can thrive and everyone can can really um just 
be in an optimal state and the institutions that we've built from from financial to healthcare to education to you know you name it uh are are, are flawed so this is like you know our, our time to to really really do something totally um just on the oracle deck cards just i mean this this interview probably come out in about a month or so uh from when we're recording uh Will, will they be out by that time? Could I put a link? Uh, they're going to be out in November, I think okay. November 3rd, um, which I guess is going to be election day, I think, which would be interesting. So, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be out there, but they're available for pre-order, you know, on Amazon or other places. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. right so I'll, I'll put some links in the, in the yeah, show. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really interesting. I mean, the cards, so I, I you know, I love this idea of synchronicity and, and, and magic and, and it's, it's like a, a concept that I, I, ingrained in, in our kids and they it's so we have something called our silver keys which are kind of our core values that we live by and and they and they thought they got tricked basically when, when we created them together um i we we just asked them like okay what you know what's it mean to be a, a great person and and so they we just came up with a bunch of things and put some post-it notes up on the wall and um and, and so there's 13 of them kind of based on uh, Ben Franklin's 13 virtues where every week he would work on a new virtue. And so we have things like, you know, sing, laugh, dance and, and give or um, be grateful and celebrate. And everything's wonderful where, where you, you know, just look at something and it's like, you know, it might look really bad on the surface, but OK, but what you know, what's wonderful about it? And then the last one's called Make Magic. And, and that's like one of my favorite ones because it allows them to see the, see the magic in, in the, in the world and, and where we're living and, and where things kind of show up in these synchronicities and, um, and you know, where, where they learned it. And, um, I'll share the kind of the quick version of the story and because it might take a, a little while. So I'll give you the, the super condensed version, which is uh, we're, we're going up to go visit summer camps with the kids. And, uh, and so I was like talking about this idea that, you know, when you, when you think of something, it, it appears and they're like, yeah, whatever dad. And, uh, and I'm like, no, let's, let's try it. And they're like, okay, I want to see a, I want to see a horse. And, and yeah, my other one's like, I want to see a dog. I'm like, come on. I'm like, that's easy. And literally <laughs> like, you know, we saw a horse like super soon after that. And then we saw a dog at the rest stop. And then my wife's like, whatever. She's like, I want to see a penguin. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, she's like trying to, right? She's she's like trying to really make me uh, work for this thing. And I and I'm, I'm I know that we're going to see a penguin. I just don't know where or how. And uh, and so we we visit one summer camp, and we we're, we're like in their uh, art room. I'm like, oh, there's got to be a penguin here. And and no no penguin. And we only visited one bunk. And and laying on some kid's bunk was a picture of a penguin. I'm like, here you go. My, my wife's name is Missy. I'm like, look, miss, there's a, there's your penguin. And she's like, no way. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'm like, yep. And so, you know, on the drive home, telling the kids about the penguin and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then they kind of up their game. And my daughter's like, I want to see a polar bear. I'm like, okay. And I want to see an ice cube. And so we, we were in a bunch of traffic and we had to get off. Uh, and we literally walking to this convenience store to, to go to the bathroom and on the ice maker was a, a big ice cube with a penguin or a polar bear inside. And, and my daughter's like flipping out. And, and so that was like, you know, this idea of make magic is definitely like seared in their in their brains. And so now when things happen, we, we always talk about these make magic moments. That's amazing. I love that. 
what was the um like how did you guys do this as a family in terms of the so the prompt was you know what does it mean to be a great person is that is that how you started off was it just um, like, yeah or it was like well it was more more accurate like you know what what's it mean to to be a um a i forgot how i said it but something like you know to be you know what's it mean to be a, a wonderful silver or something like that or okay as part of our family and then so it was like and they were about so i, I do believe that people help support what they co-create mm-hmm. and so i wanted them part of like it wasn't just like here here's the here's what we believe in um i wanted them to be in the process and so they were we probably had the silver keys on now for i want to say maybe seven eight nine years i don't know maybe seven years so so then wow. my oldest would have been eight and youngest would have been like six and so we sat around in the living room and they, everyone had post-it notes and they just like made, made little notes about, you know, what, what is it? And then we stuck it up on the wall and then we had arguments about it. And, and then we got down to, to 13 of them. Um, and, and so now there's a big plaque that's up on the wall. It's 13 silver keys. And then so every Sunday, for the most part, we'll have silver keys dinner. And they, they kind of complain about it. I mean, they, they and, and but, you know, it's become a thing that so they know at dinner, it's it's like we'll we'll have dinner on Sunday nights and it's like talking about okay what what was the silver key or two silver keys that that you can can talk about or what you experienced over over the course of the week. How cool is that? That's such a great thing to do as a family. And, and you already know this. They'll, they'll be thanking you when they're older. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, you know, I don't think all of them are going to stick, but the make magic one for sure. Like they always think about that one. And and then uh, you know, I think there's there's others that they're that that are i think more prominent for them than, than others but even like those little moments of intentionality right so well that's what i mean yeah it's the it's the process you're or, or yeah. the practice that you expose them to it's awesome uh yannick is there anything I, i'd love just just because i want to start wrapping a bit to, to respect your time but when it comes we've obviously talked a lot about uh journaling but are there any other non-negotiables uh in your life right now that you really try to get in uh, daily or weekly when it comes to whether this is your physical, mental, or spiritual health? Yeah, the meditation is a, is a huge one. Um, so as an entrepreneur, I, you know, I actually have, there's a page in the journal called meditation for crazy busy entrepreneurs. And, and it's, it's just like, I always thought that I couldn't meditate. I've heard, you know, a lot of benefits of it and even scientific evidence that it's powerful. And I was just like, you know, I have a million ideas a minute. I don't think I can slow down. And, and so one of my, my friends, uh, Vishen Lakhiani runs, uh, yeah, Mind Valley. Uh, yeah, Mind Valley. And then he has something called a fest and I was speaking at a fest. And, and so he was talking about his meditation process. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to give it a try. And, and so what I did was I did it while snorkeling because you could listen to your breath and I'm like, Oh, that's really, it's really cool. And, and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to count some fish here to it during this process. And all of a sudden I was like enveloped in, in, in like a school of silver fish. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, it, it was really, really in- intriguing. And then like two days later I was doing it and, and like a sea turtle was like right next to me. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, so there's these little winks from the universe. I think that show up and it's like, Oh, you're on the right track. And, and so the, I'm like, Oh, well, and then it's kind of on and off. And then I got a chance to interview Russell Simmons for one of our Maverick events. And he's, you know, kind of ADD to the max, but he's a huge yogi and, and a meditator. And, and, and so I was medit- or interviewing him for his book, Success Through Stillness, I think. And, and I'm like, okay, this guy can do it. Let me, let me just try it. And so like for, I think a week or two weeks before the interview, I just gave it 
I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a, a, a go. And then it's just stuck. And, and it's been something that, you know, again, like that experiment, like you try it for a certain amount of time, you're like, does it, does it help me or not? So, yeah. so it used to be one time a day. And now for the most part, it's, it's twice a day. And it's, it's oh, just wow. a great way of, uh, you know, sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 20. It, it all depends. And I don't get hung up on, it has to be this amount of time or, or whatever the case is, but it's, it's just a really, really great grounding practice. Uh, and again, it's, it's not a light switch thing, but it's a practice and you keep, it keeps building on top of each other. He does, Russell does, uh, he, he does a mantra based meditation, right? Is that? Is yeah, that yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so he has like a simple version of that mantra in, inside his book. And, and so that's, you know, one, one way of doing it. I mean, there's so many ways of, of meditating right now and there's so many technologies and all sorts of stuff. And like for me, I, I don't love the technology. Sometimes I'll do guided meditations, but I, I want to be the technology myself. I just want to be mm-hmm. like, I, I just want to be able to go anywhere and, and know I can just sit and, and be, you know, be, be okay with, with that. And, and, and what I, I do love doing is also like, like, uh, giving myself some, some challenges where like in the, and this is, I guess my playful side. And I'm I'm just like laughing because I'm thinking back to like random stuff we would do uh, on my birthday where we had like video scavenger hunts. And like, so we would make people do certain things and you have to video them. And one of them was like fall asleep in, in a, in a crowded, busy public place. And so like we have like people like falling asleep in the, in like a Barnes and Noble entry, entryway or something like that. And, and I'm just like laughing because now I'll do random things. And, and, you know, my wife is like completely embarrassed. And so I'll like meditate. I don't know, like I'll find a spot that is not, not a, uh, not, not exactly the quietest spot, but no. I'll just like meditate there as a way of a, you know, improving my focus and then just like not being, um, I don't know, like, like, like allowing myself to feel uncomfortable. So yeah. like, uh, I, rem- I remember meditating in, in this, like, there's like a little acorn at a, it's like this tiny, tiny little, like, I don't know, 20 square foot park that was so the, the city I grew up in is called Silver Spring, Maryland. And, and so it was a little acorn that commemorated this spring, this, this actual, you know, what it was named for. And so everything has been built out around it. It's like downtown Silver Spring, but it still has this little acorn that you could sit underneath. And, and it was like other presidents and people that had come to this acorn. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit here. And, you know, it's in the middle of a pretty busy city and sure. it's like sitting like that. And uh, and even like thinking back, it's actually actually really funny. Um, before I actually had a meditation practice, when I um after college, we backpacked through through Europe, and one of the the secrets that I found to getting a a train car all to ourselves was I would literally take off, I, you know, run in there real fast and and go into the train car, take off my shirt, sit down in the middle of the train car, and be <laughs> like, oh, oh, and <laughs> like I. And, and then my, my buddy would be like watching and people would like poke their head in and then and they'd immediately like leave. So we did that a couple of times and that worked incredibly well. Oh man, the, the energy and I mean, to be your close friend must just be a real blast. <laughs> I love it. Or terrifying one or the other. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good, you know, so again, you know, my, my archetype, I guess, is catalyst. So I'm a very good like instigator of yeah. 
random yeah. step where it's not always me doing it, but I will, I will stir the pot. I love it. It's great. Uh, last, last question for you. I mean, you've already left definitely some really awesome prompts along the, uh, throughout the conversation, but I just wanted to give a chance if there's any reflective questions that you find you've been gravitating to the last little while, or when you make big decisions that you'd love to leave with the, uh, with the crew here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the questions really do dictate your answers. And, um, so like some of my favorite questions are, you know, again, what, what would your 111 year old self tell you? What would your 11 year old self tell you? Um, what would you do even if it would fail is, is one of my favorites. Um, and that's from Brandy Brown or, or a version of one of her questions in, in her book, Daring Greatly, um, because it, it takes away uh, the attachment to the outcome. And there's a great book called The Great Work of Your Life that, that really looks at the Bhagavad Gita um, across different people's lives and when they really hit their, found their dharma and how they, they leaned into that. And, and so in the, in the Gita, it talks about that you can only be, uh, essentially you're only uh, given your, your effort, not, your, not the outcome, not the fruits of your labor is what they would say. And so a lot of times we're so attached to, is this going to work? Is this going to get, you know, 100,000 views? Is this going to be my million dollar idea? Is this whatever? And instead it's like, what would I do? Like, what would I trade my life energy for, even if it didn't work? And, and that's really what that question is about. So some people have heard, you know, if you had six months to live, what would you do? And, and I think this one's even better. Um, and the other one was, so in the very first page of the Cosmic Journal, I wrote, um, it says, trust, trust that the universe has even more in store for you than you can imagine. Trust your divine timing, trust your crazy ideas, trust your wings will grow when you leap. trust your nature, trust you've been encoded with a cosmic alarm clock. Trust the signs, symbols, and synchronicities. Trust the co-conspirators catalyzing your evolution. Trust the perfect unfolding of your understanding and trust your divine connection. So, so then, you know, my, my question becomes, um, if, if I fully trusted, how would I act? Yeah, I love that. Love that. That's a powerful question. Oh, man. I, I mean, I could obviously chat with you for weeks on end, but uh, the conversation must end for now. Hopefully we can do a round two or... Uh, once we are able to see other humans again, it'd be great to, to meet yeah. up in person. But thank you so much for, well, A, for, for your time coming on the show, but I think even more so for being the very catalyst and, 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 doing, and doing everything possible to, to nudge people forward. I mean, that's just affecting uh, millions of people around the world. So thank you for that. I yeah, appreciate that. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.